Welcome to Elandriani Land, a podcast about relationship, identity, equity, and leadership that shows how in a world of separateness, we thrive through unity. Welcome to Elandriani Land. I'm Elandriel. <laughs> and I'm Annie. And we hailed from Nashville, Tennessee. And we are taking you into our world. Today, we are tackling our identity as educators. So, Annie, we're going to start with you first today. So, what does it mean to you to be an educator in this world? So, I have... Oh, I, I don't know that I've always known that I wanted to be an educator, but I've always known that I wanted to work with kids. I remember sitting up late at night talking to my older brother and my younger sister. I have multiple younger sisters, but the one right under me. And I remember us talking about starting at the time. I didn't know that it was a foundation, but we talked about like starting a thing that would like provide holistic services. And at the time we didn't know there was holistic services. But now that I'm thinking about our, our dreams, I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, we've been thinking, I've been talking about this since I was like eight or nine years old, like go figure. So I've always known deep down that I wanted to be of service to children. And it became clear to me that I wanted to do so after I graduated college. And I had to have that come to Jesus moment with my parents that I was not going to be a doctor, just not happening. And I've no, I knew senior year I made the decision, but I didn't have that conversation with them until second semester that that was not happening. So, and I started teaching shortly after college and looking back, because you know, hindsight is 2020, I guess I was preordained to be an educator. And for me, I would say that education isn't just about formal education for me. Education is really about the process of learning. And regardless of where, when, or how that takes place doesn't really matter for me, which is why I do think that there's a little bit of educator in everybody, regardless of what field you work in. So yeah, educator in Annie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, I also didn't know. Well, I shouldn't say that. Um, I do remember when I was in kindergarten for career day, I came as a librarian, um, which, you know, I still want to own a bookstore someday. So it probably isn't far off. But um, the I, I wanted to be a teacher when I was very young, like first, second, third grade. And as I got older, I just didn't think that that was going to happen. Um, at, the older I got, the more I convinced myself it was just because um, of money and not what we got paid, but in that I wasn't going to be able to afford um, the graduate school work because in California up until last year, you couldn't get um, an educator, a degree, in, a bachelor's in education um, with your credential like you can in a lot of programs throughout the rest of the states. You had to get a subject matter and then go back for your credential. So it had to be postgraduate work. <clears throat> um, and so I convinced myself that because because I had younger siblings, I wasn't going to be able to afford that. Um, but I think it was really just more that I didn't have the confidence 
in it. There was just, I think there's other things wrapped up in there, but I had a epiphany. I remember my fourth year in college, it took me five years to graduate because I couldn't decide really what I wanted to major in because now I know looking back 2020 hindsight, right? That it was because I knew I wanted to be an educator, but I kept dancing around it, right? Um, so my fourth year, I remember walking down the street with my mom. I had, she'd traveled some for work and so she was in the Bay Area and I went up to the Bay Area with her and um, just to have you know some you know mother-daughter time and I remember walking down the street with her we'd come from dinner and um, just thinking you know what this this it was this major epiphany moment like this is what I want to do this is what I'm going to do it oh well this is I don't know how I'm going to do it but I'm going to do it um, and ironically I think a part of me wanted to do it because um, I, I loved I did love kids and I, I was always an educator. I'd always been a teacher, you know, being an, the oldest child and all that kind of stuff. But I think part of it was also that I wasn't crazy about adults. And the irony there is not only is teaching so much about dealing with adults, but like my favorite people to teach now are, wait for it, adults. Like I love teaching teachers. Those are my favorite people. Like I love kids. Don't get me wrong. They are my jam. But Dude, teaching teachers is amazing, especially early childhood teachers. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit, I guess, um, of my journey. And for me too, like um, education, it's not just about, it's, it's about being more, we've talked about this before, you and I, about that lifelong learner thing of just always moving forward. That's one of the reasons I love the position I am in right now for work is because I'm always encouraged to keep getting better you know yeah i will um i would definitely like support some of the i mean some of the emo feelings around what you said i i don't unlike you i don't think i knew i wanted to be an educator because I, I don't know that I pinpointed, because for the longest, I swore I was going to be a pediatrician. Like, I knew, <laughs> knew that was how I was going to be of service to children. And, and unlike you, I don't know that I realized that I was going to end up serving adults, like teaching adults. Oh, I didn't realize that until, I don't know, five, six years ago. Yeah. You know, um, it really hadn't occurred to me until I started, um, you know, I started storytelling. Hey, okay? and in storytelling, um, I was able to put on like, because I, I never liked public speaking, I hated it. Um, <clears throat> but with storytelling, I was able to put on this persona. And as I did that, um, I realized that I could do that when I was training. And so in Vegas, when I, I created a drama curriculum, um, for the position I was in and just naturally was asked to train for that. Right. Um, and I went ahead and put on that persona and realized this works. And then over time, the persona just became who I am, you know, it was the fake it till you make it kind of thing. Right. Um, and I just realized, particularly once I moved into early childhood and started working with this section of, uh, amazing women primarily who are are just so committed to their work even though they don't get the respect they deserve which is even more so than the k-12 space right so i wouldn't say i always knew i wanted to <laughs> work yeah. with adults it just kind of happened and i realized i was good at it yeah yeah i don't i don't know that i'm like 
oh my gosh, I love it. I will say that I have come to find that I am passionate about supporting children. And I, I'm, and I quickly, quickly realized that in order to do that effectively, I also had to support the adults that were in the children's lives. Well, and so that's why yeah. where my passion comes from, right? Mm -hmm. Is I happen to love these individuals, don't get me wrong. But what I really love is the impact that I'm having that's on this more community-wide scale than just the scale within my classroom. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm yeah. hitting more kids than just my, you know, 35 fourth graders that I used to teach. Yes, it, we did used to be 35 fourth graders in my classroom. It was a lot. Um, but <laughs> I still have flashbacks. Um, but, uh, but I'm hitting, you know, touching so many more because of the work I do. And that I think is where my real passion comes from because it's, it, it's, it's systems change. It is. And I, I, I realized quickly as I got older and grew more into like the subject matter of what I wanted to do or got to know myself a little better, mm -hmm. I realized that like growing my platform was something that was really important to me. Like reaching a larger audience was really important to me. And I couldn't do that if I stayed in the classroom, which is unfortunate because right. one of the arguments that I hear a lot is, oh, so you're an amazing educator, but you're coming out of the classroom. And if everybody, if all the amazing educators come out of the classroom, then what, what happens to our children? And I, my, my, my response to that is always, if I'm great at it and I can teach just three more people to be as great as I was, I've not only replaced myself, I've also added two more educators. So yes, I know it isn't great to step out the classroom when you're like, great, but it also depends on what you end up doing. So if I did right. step up the classroom to move into like administrative service, which could still be supporting teachers in a different way, but I, I believe that my decision stemmed a lot from knowing that even though I was leaving the classroom, I knew I was providing the resources to create multiple other me's. Well, maybe not other me's, but educators who were as passionate and were as effective at, as their job as I was when I was in a classroom. Yeah, that's really so, well put. We, yeah. I've, we've talked about that in some circles I've sat in lately professionally and, you know, trying one of the things that has come up is how do we, how do we help provide leadership opportunities for teachers without having to step out of the classroom? You know, um, because some people, I think, um, you know, it's, it's, fine if they can step out of the classroom like you said because they can still have they can then have a larger impact but not everybody gets that opportunity right like you said if we're just moving into administration to straight administration what kind of impact are we really having and if it's because we're burnt out which is why a lot of people do tend to step out it's not always an i'll be honest my my stepping out was not intentional it happened right and um the, my burnout supported that happening my classroom burnout um but so many people move out because they can't take the classroom anymore, even though they, they might be really good teachers without that level of stress. So how do we mitigate that level of stress and help them also still step out of the classroom while being, staying effective within the classroom? So I don't know, it's this complex.
I love that you brought out burnout and stress management and all of that because we can segue right into our next question, which mm-hmm. is how how do you like how do you move in the world as a result of being an educator? So with like in in my mind, I'm thinking all the nuanced ways that being an educator comes out in my relationships mm-hmm. or some of the things that irritate my friends and my loved ones about me. Like I was like, yep, occupational hazard type. Like of when thing. they get the teacher look and you didn't mean to give it to them, but they got it. <laughs> or, or they say something that's grammatically incorrect and then you correct it. It's like some of those <gasps> that like, ugh, do you have to do that every time? I'm like, yeah. So I and I do see it come out in those ways. And then I also go going deeper. I find myself wanting to challenge people in general. Mm-hmm. And it's not a challenge, like confrontational thing. It's more of a, you know how when you know a child can do this skill at this level. So when you when you're teaching or when you're talking to them, you go to like that next level because you're you're uh, supporting the growth. I find myself doing that with my friends or with people in general. When I hear, I'm, I've, I've gotten really good at like picking up language. People's language have really give, give up so much of their insight. Mm-hmm. And I've been paying attention to that a lot more. And being an educator, it's like I, I am learning that I should not, I'll take it back. I am learning sometimes it is not helpful to always have my educator hat on. And I, in a lot of time, it's, I literally have to like, it takes effort to take it off because I find myself see hearing language, language there. And I step in, I'm like, Hmm, tell me more about that. And maybe that's more of a coaching, but a coach is, a is an educator. Yeah. So type it's of like, yeah, you're an educator. So it's, it's just one of those things that in, in talking about how like moving in the world, how that is like a deeply ingrained part of me. It is something I've had to work on to turn off because it irritates people. Like it annoys people Mm -hmm. because I've even gotten like, why do you have to be so serious all the time? And it's not that I'm not going, I'm very outgoing. It's just that I have to like step back and not take every single opportunity. Not every single opportunity is a learning experience for some people, but for me, I perk up. I'm like, ooh, learning experience. Right. I can, whoa, that's super cool. Right. This is a perfect moment to teach this. This is a perfect moment to teach that. And I'm like, okay, just chill. We're just hanging out and watching a movie right now. We do not have to turn this into a, a physics lesson. Mm-hmm. So those are the ways, like when I move in a world that I like see how my that particular identity shows up in the way that I am, which again, like so we want I love that we're talking about identity because the more we talk about it, the more I'm realizing that man, they're not really separate. So they're I was just about so to say layered. that they're so layered mm-hmm. that it's like, man, talking about it just helps you see how it's expressed. But in the same way, it's not like I can say I'm separate. The, my woman and my educator is separate they just kind of intersect in a way and then express themselves in some of the ways that some of the examples that I just shared. 
Right. Well, and that, so that's what I was, I was going to add, actually, which is a page really from your book, one of the things that you've taught me about identity and how it's, you know, you don't have these separate identities. And I think we talked about that in our last episode about when I was talking about my work hat and my mom hat, um, you know, now being so intrinsically like intertwined because we're all at home. Um, but yeah, I think for me, you know, a lot of my personal growth has been in learning to integrate all my identities in general. But like when we're talking about that educator identity, and it's not like this, it's this hat I put on, right? Um, not that it can't be, you know, I can choose to like put more energy into that. Um, but it's, it's really more of a, um, just another part of who I am, and that I can choose to you know, have it on or have it off, right? Like I can choose, and, and, and it's okay to, so for me too, as as a mom, sometimes I, I'll get like guilt issues of like, well, I should have made that a teaching opportunity or, but sometimes I'm just tired <laughs> or, you know, and that learning that not everything, that's one of the things that's taught me that not everything has to be um, a teachable moment, right? That sometimes it's okay if you let something slide, <laughs> Right. Um, because, yeah, I, we, my husband and I have had, had a lot of, uh, I shouldn't say a lot, but we had conversations when we were dating about, you know, my treating him as a student and he had, he was a manager. And so, you know, him treating me as an employee because, you know, those identities come out sometimes, right? Um, in different ways. But when you, I feel like when you learn to start integrating those more in a wholeness perspective, if that makes sense. Um, that helps some with that, you know, because then I'm, you know, taking the example of like with, as a mom, you know, it's not that I'm always wearing my educator hat, like it's okay if that melds into myself as a Landriel, right? Like I can give more weight to that right now that, you know what, I'm just going to cook dinner right now. I don't have to cook dinner with my kid every day kind of thing for it mm -hmm. to be a teachable moment, if all that makes sense. Oh, it definitely did. I, and I feel like we we talked about, we said the same thing. You just came at it from like a mom, wife point of view, whereas mm -hmm. I'm coming at it from like, oh, let me look at my relationship. Absolutely. But it, it kind of shows up in the same way where it's like, we literally have to intentionally turn it off because mm -hmm. it's such a prevalent, like it's such a pronounced identity mm -hmm. that like, it's kind of like being a woman for me. And um even realizing like I'm and one of my favorite quotes of all time is Albert Einstein's quote about intellectual growth should commence at birth and cease mm -hmm. only at death is one of my favorite quotes because I'm like I genuinely feel that way and a lot of the things I choose to engage in tend to be growth stuff like I mean I love to have fun but my idea of fun is like Ooh, let's attend a webinar. Right. Let's read a book about how to learn about brain development. Like, or I, let's I, do a podcast with one of my best friends about identity and relationships. <laughs> and it's, it's like for me, that is fun for me because mm -hmm. I, I, I will say like what I, one thing I've come to find and also accept like I, I pandemic uh, silver linings, right? Mm -hmm. I. And I know we talk about 2020, like, oh my God, it's such a horrible year, blah, blah, blah. And As I'm, if it's going to end on December 31st. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it is, 
I recognize we are going through something that we've never gone through before. And there are a lot of pains. But what people don't fail to realize is that there are plenty of things you've experienced that were new to you that you had to struggle through. Mm -hmm. And I think because everyone's experiencing this, we're... I definitely feel like the energy is a little more like spiced Mm -hmm. more people are experiencing it all at once right it's it's a matter of like not allowing it to feel different because it is not the first time you've experienced something new that was hard that you didn't have to like figure your way out of. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And while you were talking, I just, I found myself thinking um, about just the idea of that change. And usually when we face those new things, it's not that we're facing them alone because we have our support systems optimally, but we're going through it by, you know, in, within ourselves. Uh, And this time it's, you know, we're, we're going through it as a, as a community. And I think there's, two challenges to that. On the one side, it can be this um, positive challenge where you're like, you know what, other people are going through this too. And if they can do it, I can do it. We can get through this together. And I think it also would be really easy to say, oh yeah, well, other people are going through this too and they think it sucks. So I'm just going to sit in the suck also. Yeah. Right. I think there, you know, there's this plus and minus and trying to find the balance in that is, uh, is one of the challenges with the, this, this period of time. And, that, yeah. and I, I will say like, as an educator, it is probably why I am solutions focused. I do value development because, I mean, I value development something serious because I realize I can't offer what I don't have. So mm-hmm. if I don't learn it myself, and I prefer to have experienced it myself so I could tell you, well, this is what worked for me. I can tell you this might not work for you if I know you well enough. Well, I know you well enough. So I could say, well, you know what, Elandria, I don't know that that is particularly going to work for you, but I'll give you the theme and you can kind of break down the theme or the concept into pieces that work better for who you are mm-hmm. and see how that works for you. But I do think because I'm an educator, that's why I'm willing to do the self-work it takes to grow and get and become the person I want to be. So in the, the big part of the person I want to be is somebody who can contribute positively to other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I can't do that if I'm not constantly learning, if I'm not constantly teaching. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just learned about, I mean, which is why as soon as I read a book that I feel like is like mind blowing for me. I'm like, Elandrio. You should read this. Why? And I still haven't read the book we I need to I need to get on that. Sorry. And I've had like <laughs> three friends finish it since I shared it with you. And I will get on that. Them, all three of them were like, oh my goodness. <laughs> my life will never ever be the same. And for our listeners, we're talking about the book Letting Go by David R. Hawkins. It's called Letting Go, The Path to Surrender, and it's by David R. Hawkins. And three, all three of them have literally texted and called and said, oh, my goodness. So I'm making myself an additional note right now to start I, that today. I will never be the same person. 
And it is one of those books that if you're not ready to change your entire outlook on life, do not pick it up yet. I, this is advice that I'm giving to our listeners. Because <laughs> you know not, I'm already there. Oh, you're there. <laughs> I know you're there. <laughs> but if you aren't ready to change your entire outlook on life, do not pick up that book yet. And it's, it's also probably one of the biggest reasons why 2020 has been so abundant and abundant in like love, abundant in growth, abundant financially for me is because that book. That's awesome. When you let go, this is another thing that he mentions in a book. When you let go, you pretty much stop resisting all the possibilities. And when you stop resisting all the possibilities, they just happen. Yeah, that's, you know, I, and that's one of the reasons I really want to read the book, because one of the things that I've been resisting is speaking of education, right, and being a lifelong learner and all that is I really want to get my doctorate. <clears throat> and um, I, but I keep resisting it for many reasons, right? Like, um, whether it's because I, I won't have enough time for my family or I don't have enough money for it, which is a valid one, actually, because it can be expensive. But yeah, I, 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 and would love to be able to figure out how to let those resistances go because that's something that if I don't do, I will majorly regret, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm just you know applying that to our to our educator conversation there. I'm so glad you brought up PhD. <laughs> now we can talk about we can bring a little bit of equity into education, mm-hmm. and I say, and not not in terms of like the actual systems of inequity, the way like education systems are inequitable. We needed a whole nother podcast for that one. Yeah, it really is the idea that it's credentialism that I really want to talk about. So maybe Mm. it's credentialism. Yeah, credentialism. Yes. And I, you know, I have issues with all the isms. All the isms. And, And recently... We need to find an ism. Well, sexism is patriarchy. Never mind. We mm. found it. I was like, we need, what's the ism for patriarchy? It's <laughs> sexism. <laughs> and um, I say this because it took me three months to sit down and write down my business plan from the from the day I paid for the business license. Mm-hmm to the day that I actually sat down to write the business plan was like a three month period. And in that three month period, what I struggle with before I finally like had a coaching session with, with somebody and uh, work through the blocks. Mm -hmm. I, I, um, had an opportunity to like really reflect on credentialism because I was, and this is a sentence that I remember her sharing that really had me thinking. I had said something that I can't remember now. And then she responded. I'm sure it was brilliant though. It was, I mean, I'm sure it was brilliant because I said it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, she responded with, why do you have to validate your experience? Because that's mm. what you're 
that's what you're selling. That is what you're bringing to your business. You are bringing your experiences to businesses, to individuals, to communities, to support their effectiveness. Mm -hmm. Why do you have to validate that with a certificate, a PhD, a master's, a bachelor's? Why do you have to validate that? And that was really powerful. That's a really good question. That was very powerful because when she asked me, I did not have an answer for her at the time. I journaled about that for a good two weeks. And and again, it's these moments that you realize, you think, oh, I have deprogrammed out of this way of thinking. Right. You don't realize how that way of thinking is not just on the ways that you've already and when I say deprogram, it's not that they don't come up. Is that now I have the tools to not allow them to influence my decisions. Right. Not realizing that there are plenty of other areas where they're very prevalent. It, case in point, my, me not feeling like I have the credentials to sit, stand in front of somebody and say, hey, let me teach you about self-regulation. Mm-hmm. But I don't really have the credentials. Even though anybody who, who, anyone who knows me will tell you I have excellent self-regulation skills. But at the same time, and at the same time, I would, I'm sitting here trying to validate that I know what I'm talking about before I can stand in front of a group of people and say, I can do this. And then this is why I said, we talk about equity because that is the way like dominant culture wants to keep people in certain boxes That's and control stay in our, in our certain areas because it's like, mm, well, you don't get the job because you don't have the piece of paper that says you can actually do it. And I'm not even going to bother checking to see whether or not you have the skill sets that I'm looking for. Oh Just yeah, absolutely. Have that piece of paper. I have a very close personal friend who um, only has a high school diploma, but is makes tons more money than I do, but is constantly worried about it because he only has a high school diploma. He's just done a lot of unorthodox and non-traditional education to get where he is. Um, but it is definitely something that causes him stress, you know, that one of these days somebody's just going to shut, shut the whole thing down because he doesn't have the pieces of paper. But, um, I, you know, it's a interesting question because, you know, I brought up the PhD and now I'm thinking, I know one of the reasons I want to do it is because there's research I want to do. Like personally, there's research I want to do. I enjoy school. Um, I enjoy learning. I want to go through that, well, some of that process, some of that process I'm not looking forward to, but some of it, yes. Um, But on the other hand, you know, I, I realized, yeah, I'm actually looking for validation, whether it's validation with myself or with other people to be able to put that PhD at the end. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, why, why do we need that validation? And then again, I am not advocating against PhDs, not at all. That's oh, not- no. And I still want to do it, even, even, if I, even if I figure out and break down all that validation stuff. Like, there, there are definitely things I want to do that for me right, in terms of, like, I want to go through that process of doing that research, and, um, like, you know, I want to, I want to bring the world of, like, environmental education and social emotional learning together, like, there's work to be done there, right, I want to do that, I think it'd be super cool, and, uh, and I want to get, I guess, validation that I've done the work, 
<laughs> Somebody can say, here's your diploma. You did a lot of research. And, and, and see, that's, that's the thing where I was like, if I wanted to do the research, then yeah, I would definitely say, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to do a PhD or I might even do a second master's or something along those lines. And then, but then I realized like the only reason why I wanted the education, because I was, mm. you know, remember we talked about me looking for a PhD program. Right, right. Do that. And I realized the only reason why I wanted it was to validate things that I already knew to be true to me. That could also be true to a lot of other human beings because I have friends who we have had these conversations where these tools have worked for them as well. So I know it, 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 they aren't, these tools aren't just effective for me. They're effective for people that I love as well. So now that I'm like trying to grow and share these tools with the world, I really wanted to be validated so that when mm-hmm. I walk into the room, I have PhD after my name. People are like, oh, she means business. Right. And then she asked me that question. I was like, whoa, self-worth. Oh, another thing. Self-worth mm-hmm. is coming up. We don't realize that all the things we do, self-worth finds its way. You know, we question our self-worth. And that's all why the time. we need validation. We question our self-worth which is why we get jealous we have insecurities i mean i mean self-worth has been one of those things that has mm-hmm. been rearing its little head here and there for me and it is oh yeah it's it's one of those things that i am finding the more i get into this work how very common when you get to the root of these emotional issues how that's true for everyone, regardless mm-hmm. of race or color or gender. We just don't talk about it. But name me a situation where it's an insecurity issue or it's a validation issue. I will find it in a lot of times. A lot of times it goes to self-worth mm-hmm. or growth in general. Like this a missing skill that and it even let's talk about missing skills well i have a missing skill that i'm kind of wanting to hide because i don't want the world to know that i I have this missing skill so because i don't have it i automatically go to you said it Mm self-worth now all of a sudden i am not worthy because i should have this skill the word should and i don't know if you noticed i rephrased earlier when i used right right one of those things i'm realizing because i'm like don't should yourself I choose not to should myself anymore because I'm like you part of walking in my power for me. Thank you. 2020 It's one of those pandemic silver linings. That silver linings. Yeah. Walking in my power is recognizing when my language assigns an outside power to control me. Yeah. And Which is sure. such a struggle to come around because we have been so ingrained in language of power. Right. Yeah. And going back to being an educator, and I know you said fake it till you make it, but I really, I, 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 at first I was like, you, and I'm like, no, 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 let her speak. This is her time. (laughs) Till I make it. Because practice. Can you say that again? Because we, we froze up. Oh, we froze up. Yeah. So it was one of the things that I encourage you to say practice till you make it. Yes. That's a much better way to rephrase that. if you, when you say, for me, it's like when I say fake it till I make it, my, so I, I had a coaching session. I, apparently I'm having a lot of coaching sessions, which are helpful for 
I'm, I need to like unpack all this stuff that's going on here. Again, a form of learning. You right. Uh-huh. Coming, you know, all these interactions. And, it, and one of the things she said was, Annie, you are the most genuine person I know. And when you engage with a piece, with anything that feels inauthentic, your soul will revolt against it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, I could not have put that better. Like, I, I agree. That was mm-hmm. quote from her verbatim. And I really could not have put it better because I'm like, oh my gosh, you know me really well because I have serious issues with like inauthenticity. Is mm-hmm. that the word? That's the mm-hmm. word, right? It's a word now, if not. Boom. <laughs> Created it. Did that. So it's it's one an inauthentic spaces do make me feel uncomfortable too. Mm-hmm. And and but but when I say inauthentic spaces, it's not necessarily that the space has made me feel if I feel like I'm showing up in a way that's not authentic, because I will, because you know, code switching mm-hmm. where I am. I automatically feel uncomfortable because I know that I am making these little edits to fit into this space. Right. So it is a constant. It's, I, I really am a, I'm grateful, grateful that I'm an educator because there are a lot of like these things that we're talking about paying attention to practicing the language that I want mm-hmm. that that is support me becoming a better person take it back better is a judgment word the person that I want to be is a large part in my identity as an educator because I am willing to learn I am willing to take criticism I am willing to Pay attention and see mm, what's Elandriel's point of view because I know there's there when I listen to your point of view, I'm creating spaces for both of us to learn. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, on that note, I think we're going to have to continue this conversation in our next session. Um, so thank you to everybody for journeying to Elandriani Land with us today. And I'd like you to remember to choose understanding today. Yeah, I was like, which one are we choosing today? I don't know, but I think we're choosing understanding. We are choosing understanding. And growth. I think we also should choose growth. Hmm. Let's I go. Like Remember growth. to choose growth today. Yes. Elandriani out.